Good afternoon. We're here from Partick Free Church of Scotland, continuing. We're a local Christian congregation. We're a Scottish registered charity. And we minister in Partick, in the west end of Glasgow. We meet at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's just up Dumbarton Road. And when you come to the police station, opposite the police station, if you go up the hill there, you will come to Thornwood Primary School. In the early evening at 6 p.m. And we would extend a warm welcome to you to come along to any of these services. We also have a, a midweek meeting on Wednesday at 7.30. And you're also invited along to that meeting also. And we're out this afternoon. This time we're coming from Glasgow City Centre from Buchanan Street. We tend to go out once a week and this week we're found <coughs> in Glasgow City Centre and we come out to introduce you in some way to the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know today that many people are despising Christianity they are rejecting God's Word and particularly they're having nothing to do with organized religion. Well, we feel that's a, a great shame because many people are rejecting the Bible and Christianity without even giving it proper consideration is all about a person. It's all about the Son of God. It's all about Him coming down from heaven and coming down on a, a rescue mission. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Christ did not come into the world to destroy men's lives but to save them. And we are very happy this afternoon to be able to come out and to tell you that Jesus Christ has successfully completed his mission. He has done all that was required of him in order to save his people. And that's what the life and the death about Je concerning Jesus Christ is all about. And we want to tell you about this glorious person and what he has done. This is our mission. This is why we come out. We obviously tell you about our own congregation in order that you might be aware that, well, we are not fly-by-night cowboys. We are genuine Christian people. We live and we operate in the Glasgow area. Partick is our locality and therefore we give you our contact details that you're able to 
follow up if you have any queries or any questions. It's interesting to know what's going on in the world today. I suppose the dominant item on the agenda, the news agenda, it surely is the, the post office debacle and how sub postmasters and postmasters everything about our lives will one day come out. God tells us in his Bible and the Bible indeed is God's word to mankind. In God's word we find it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is that there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day when all of us will give an account. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. That's an exhortation that Solomon gives to the young people. And young people are inclined to forget that one day they will go the way of all the earth. They'll not always be young. Youth will leave them. Middle age will come. Old age will come. And then ultimately, as it does for us all, we shall all pass into eternity. Well, on that time, on that day, whenever it shall be, and we can try to prolong it, we can try to delay it, we can try to avoid it, but that will never ever work. The Bible makes it clear, friends, there's going to be a day when God will have us face to face and we will give account. Paul says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 16, what does he say there? He says, in the day, what do we have? We have the secrets of men and they are being revealed. Things that people wanted to brush over and receive appropriate compensation. And we hope that those who have done things they should not have done will indeed face justice. This is what we hope. This is what all of us hope for. That the innocent be proved innocent and the guilty be condemned as guilty. Well, God is going to have a day with all of us. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Their homes or in their bedrooms or when they're out of sight of people, they think that since no one can see, what does that mean? Well, he means it means he knows all things. He's also omnipresent. Every day are clearly known to God. He knows your actions before you perform them. He knows the words that you will utter before you speak them. He even can read the thoughts of your heart so that nothing indeed is hidden from God and that's why he's able to say in his word that's why he's able to say in his word 
in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's what the Apostle Paul said. That's a day coming, a terrible day, an awesome day, when we will stand before Almighty God. The Bible describes it in another way, like this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Friends, that's what the Word of God says. God will have a day with you. Now, why do we come out then? Why do we come out? Do we come out to terrify you? No, no, no. We come out to tell you that, that there is a way whereby you might be justified on that awesome and that terrible day. How can you be right with God? This is what Christianity is all about. You see, friends, here is a lesson that we have to learn and something that will truly humble us. It will not inflate our pride. It will not inflate our ego. But what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us, For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the We have not reached the standard that God has prescribed for us. Now you might say, well, what is that standard? Well, because God is absolutely perfect, His standard is absolute perfection. It's a very high standard, we acknowledge. And only the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, who became the Son of Man, attained to that standard. He is the only one that never sinned. All of us, as I said earlier, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We've all failed His high and perfect standard. And therefore, because of this, we're all guilty in the sight of God. We most certainly are not guilty in the sight of man. We don't need to worry about any human court. We don't need to worry about any citizens of this uh, city and of this nation. But friends, that day of judgment, it will be God who will judge. It will not be uh, a sheriff. It will not be a high court judge. It will not be a sup supreme court judge. It will be no human court. In fact, the judges themselves will be before Almighty God. The judges, the kings and the queens, the presidents, the dictators, all rulers, doesn't matter who they are or where they are, that day will come when they shall stand before the great white throne of Jesus Christ on that awesome day that the Bible calls the day of judgment. And friends, for us here this afternoon, we have to tell you in sincerity and in truth and in love, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must. We might not want to, but you cannot deny it. 
You cannot avoid it. You may well be dead. You may well be dead for thousands of years. It doesn't matter. You'll hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll come out of your grave and your body shall be reconstituted and you shall stand before him. All of us, the whole of humanity, all that ever lived and all that live, when he comes back, they shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, friends, I tell you, you are dead in trespasses and sins. And in your natural state, as I said earlier, we are in sin. And the wages of sin is death. And therefore, friends, it behoves us that none of us indeed would be found pleading our own righteousness, pleading our own... And therefore, we are all sinful in the sight of God. No, we need something else before we will be acquitted on that day. And friends, that's what I want to tell you about. There is a way to get right with God. There is a way whereby you might be declared righteous. There is a way whereby all your sins can be forgiven. Every single sin. And I have to tell you, we're all great sinners in the sight of God. We don't know the full extent of our sinfulness. In fact, it is true to say that we sin. Now the Ten Commandments are an indication of the righteousness of God that He expects from His creatures. And God has given to us these commandments, first of all, He wrote them on our hearts. But because of sin, the commandments have been somewhat defaced and scarred. No, no, dear. That's not a nice thing to say to someone you'd never met before in your life who's only trying to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not right. Out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And when you speak things like that, it's revealing to me and to all around the depths of the depravity of your own heart. Out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And when the mouth speaks, it reveals what's in the heart. And friends, this is the real problem with us. It's a heart problem. This is the heart of the matter. It's a heart problem. It's in our nature. And it's because of this, we cannot deal with it ourselves. No, we cannot. We cannot deal with it ourselves. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ came. He came in order to deal with our greatest problem. But as I was saying, as I was saying, we've sinned every moment of every day of our lives. And how did... And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, that's how he summed up the Ten Commandments. Basically, it is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here comes the rub. Here, where it, here is where it affects ourselves. Can you honestly say today, here, in, in the year 2024, the 12th of January 2024,
Can you honestly say that throughout all your life you have loved the Lord your God? And can you also say that you have loved your neighbor all the days of your life? You might say, well, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is anyone that you come in contact with. Anyone. It's not just the person who lives next door to you. That's your neighbor, of course. But everyone's your neighbor. Now, can you honestly say then, before God, can you honestly say that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And can you say that you love your neighbor in like manner? Well, no, you cannot. None of us can. We all have to hold up our hands and say we are guilty. You see, God's law is spiritual. It is spiritual. It is not just concerned about what I do with my hands and my feet. It is also concerned about the things that I say, my words, and, which is even more frightening in some sense, it is even concerned about my thoughts. My thoughts. Sorry, sir, you need to speak. I can't hear you. Sorry, can't hear I only speak the king's language. Good for you, sir. Then you're one ahead of me. But do you know the Savior? That's what matters. Can you speak the language of Zion? Will you get into heaven? That's what matters. And that's what I want to tell you about, friends, today. The way to get to heaven. You know, there's a way to get to heaven even from Glasgow. There's a way to heaven even from Buchanan Street. And you won't find it in Google Maps. No, where will you find it? You'll find it in the Word of God. And you'll find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does He Himself say to us? What does He say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There's the way. There's the way to heaven. You know, I once asked a Jehovah Witness, and we get plenty of them, don't we? Well, the Jehovah Witnesses are a cult. They're not a Christian organization. They are a cult. And I once asked one of their persons, what was the way to heaven? Can they, can they tell me the way to heaven? And for a moment they were bamboozled, then they pointed up to heaven. Friends, we need to do something better than that. Because the Christian can tell you the way to heaven. The way to heaven is through the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There's no other way to get to heaven, none whatsoever. We know there are many, many religions, and you might say they're competing against Christianity. Well, in a human perspective, that is true. But friends, there's only one Savior. There's only one Gospel. And that's the Savior who has come down from heaven. Who is that Savior? That Savior is Jesus Christ the Lord. That one who suffered and died on Calvary's tree.
that one who is the eternally begotten Son of God, that one who left glory, that one who came down to this earth and lived in poverty for around 30 years before he began his public ministry. And when he began his public ministry, he went about doing good, healing the sick, feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000, opening the eyes of the blind, raising the dead, and stopping the ears of the deaf, loosing the, t the tongue of the dumb, and preaching the everlasting gospel. And ultimately, going to Calvary's tree. Why did he go there? Well, he went there from a human perspective because the Jewish religious leaders of the day hated him because his preaching and teaching and lifestyle revealed their hypocrisy and they were envious of him but ultimately friends what he went to the cross because it was almighty God's plan in order to save people that the Son of God had to live a perfect life a life that none of us could live by ourselves and he had to go to the cross and pay the penalty for mankind oh Jesus does love me yes quite you're right sir yeah yeah and Jesus showed his love for mankind by going down to the cross yes for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And there, friends, we have the full expression of the love of God, he sent his son to do what we could never do for ourselves. He fully obeyed the law of God. Completely, fully obeying it. Perpetually, for all his days of his life, he never sinned. He never had a wrong word. He never had a wrong thought. He never performed a wrong action. Can you imagine someone living in this world, never having to say sorry, never? How many of us have to say sorry to someone daily, to a loved one, to a wife or a husband or a partner, to a son or a daughter or some other? We've done something wrong, we've said something wrong, and we've had to say sorry. Is this not a continual experience of every single one of us without doubt? But not for the Son of God. Why? Because he could not sin. It was impossible for him to sin. And he lived a perfect light life. And friends, that's important. It's all part of the Christian story. It's all part of getting to know the Son of God. He lived a perfect life that we couldn't do. And therefore, because he lived a perfect life, he was then able to offer a perfect sacrifice. 
a perfect sea in order to save us he had to live a perfect life and because he lived a perfect life he offered a perfect sacrifice a sacrifice that satisfied God's just demands you see God's law is inf inflexible and Jesus Christ as our substitute he obeyed it and paid the penalty of it on our behalf as our substitute now friends what's required of you and me it's all very well speaking about the Lord Jesus it's all very well telling you about this glorious person and indeed that's what a preacher should do that's his mission that's his commission it is to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ but it's also to tell you to come and to believe upon him you are to call upon this one you are to call upon the Savior you are to trust upon him you are to follow what are they they are repent and to believe the gospel what does repent mean well some people think it's simply to be sorry and remorse for sins for past actions well it includes that but it's more than that repentance means we are to turn away from sin turn away from sin that's what's required of us and that means if we're a drunkard we're to turn away from our alcoholism if we're a liar we're to speak the truth if we're a blasphemer and how many people blaspheme today well we are to make sure that we are not ones who take the name of the Lord our God in vain what does the third commandment say to us thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain many people might think it doesn't matter when you speak of the Lord Jesus or God or the Lord in a irreverent manner well it does matter it matters to God his name is holy thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who taketh his name in vain and if we are in sin as we are friends we are to turn away from our sin and possibly the greatest sin that we have to repent of is our attitude towards Jesus Christ this is probably the greatest sin that we're committing today here we are we're being told something about the Lord Jesus Christ we're being told that he is the Son of God that he has come down from heaven that he is God's answer to our greatest need and what are we doing we are rejecting him we are casting aside his word and work we are saying we know better than Jesus we are saying we don't want Jesus we are saying we are rejecting Jesus well friends it's time to repent 
from this. It's time to embrace him as he is freely offered to us in the gospel. It's time to put our faith and our hope and our trust upon the Son of God. Because, friends, there's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to be reconciled to God. No other name. No other way. No other Savior. No other message from heaven. None whatsoever. This is God's final word and revelation to mankind. We are to heed the Son of God. We are to listen to Him. Let me read one or two verses from the opening chapter of, or the opening of chapter 1 of Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high being made so much better than the angels and then he goes on to say what does he say? We must therefore pay more attention. We must take heed. That's what he says. In chapter 2 of verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape? Is there another way? Has God provided another way to be saved? Is there another Savior coming? No, friends. The Lord God Almighty has sent the ultimate, the perfect Savior. Do you think he's going to send another one? Would that not be an affront? No. That's why he says, How shall we escape? And how indeed will you escape? How are you hoping to escape on that day? What day am I referring to? The day that I began with, the day of judgment. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. And the apostle goes on to say, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. This is the very sum and the substance of the apostle's preaching Knowing the terror of the Lord, he went all around well proclaiming, proclaiming the gospel all around the world. Knowing the terror of the Lord, knowing there was going to come a day of reckoning. But what did he do? He told them the way of escape, the way by, whereby you can be declared righteous in the sight of God. And that way is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We'll hear from Partick, Free Church of Scotland continuing, a local congregation. We're going to take a short break, but we do trust that the Lord will bless his word to you this afternoon. Good afternoon again. We're here.
located at Two Thornwood Terrace. That's if you go up Dumbarton Road, you will come to the police station. And opposite the police station, if you can manage, go up that steep hill and you'll come to Thornwood Primary School and you'll meet our building there on the crossroads next door to the school. And we extend a warm welcome to you to come along any Lord's Day at Sunday, the first day of the week at 11 a.m. or in the early evening at 6 p.m. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them, As we said, we're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing a local congregation, a Scottish registered charity. And we come out because, friends, we have a good message uh, to tell people, a message that's relevant to us all. And the message centers and focuses upon a person, and the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who came down from heaven and the one who suffered and died in, in the room and place of sinners. This is what the gospel is all about. And I put it to you, friends, that many people are ignorant about what the gospel is really about. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. This is why he came into this world. He didn't come in to teach us. He didn't come in to set an example before us. No. He came in ultimately to save us because this is our greatest need. And this greatest need has come about because of our sin. Now, we don't like to be reminded about this, but we must be reminded because you will never see the importance of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done until you first grasp the, the depravity of your own nature and of the great problem that faces you. And what is that problem? Well, the problem is your own personal sin. You see, friends, originally we were made in the image of God. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, were created perfectly. Adam came from the dust and Eve was made from Adam. And they were the first husband and wife, the first man and woman. And from them all mankind have come. Now they were created perfect and Adam was given a very clear and simple commandment. He was placed in the Garden of Eden and everything was laid on for him. It was perfect. And he was told that he could eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden except of one. He was not allowed to eat the fruit 
from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he was given a very clear command not to eat it. And if he did, he would die. Testing him to see whether Adam and Eve loved God or not. And that's the way that God tested her husband, Adam, and he disobeyed God. Now you might well think to yourself here this afternoon on Buchanan Street in Glasgow, you might well say, well, that's not really a big issue, is it? It's not really a big issue. Well, it is a big issue. It is a really big issue because what happened? What happened? Well, they disobeyed God. God who had been so good to them, God who had been so gracious and kind to them, God who had provided everything for them, they lacked nothing, and they sided with God's enemy. They committed an act of high treason. That's what they did. When they rebelled against God, and when they sided with God's enemy. Well, ever since that day, Adam and Eve's relationship with God changed. It changed because sin became part of their experience. They told that Adam and Eve hid from God. And I put it to you, friends, whether we recognize it or not, this is really what we're doing today. Multitudes of us are simply hiding from God. We don't want to reckon with God. We don't want to have to deal with Him. We don't acknowledge Him. We never read His Word. We never call upon Him in prayer. We never attend a Christian place of worship where we might read and hear God's Word read and where prayer might be offered up in the name of the Lord Jesus or where we sing His praise or where we hear, hear a sermon being preached. We run away from God because we don't want to hear these things. Why is it we don't want to hear these things? We don't want to hear these things or do these things because we are guilty. That's why Adam and Eve hid from God. Once upon a time they would have delighted to be in God's presence. But because of sin, they had this guilty feeling. And that's why they hid from Him. Well, that's where we are today because we've all come from Adam and Eve. And the Bible tells us, not to flatter us, but to inform us. The Bible tells us clearly, plainly, point. He looked upon mankind, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts was only evil continually. That's what we read in the book of God. In Genesis chapter 6, let us just read it so that we get it right. 
And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. His thoughts, his heart life, his inner life, only evil continually. That's God's verdict upon the ancient world and we have to acknowledge that nothing has changed. That is God's verdict upon your heart and upon my heart by nature. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. Now that's obviously not the verdict of the courts of this land or of the law of this land. But friends, we're not going to deal with the law of this land or with the judges or the sheriffs of this land. We're all heading for that day when we shall be before Almighty God and we shall be judged by His whatsoever. Sin has got a grip of us. Sin is so powerful that it has us under its thraldom so that we sin in thought and word and deed every day of our lives. But, and here's a very great but, a very important but, but God has done something about our plight. God has seen. That's why we began our second session. This is a trustworthy saying, worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief. Christ Jesus has come into the world in order to save sinners. That's, what he, that's why he came. That's why he left the realm of glory. That's why, friends, he came to save sinners. And therefore, do we not take heart? Do we not, therefore, rejoice that God has provided a way whereby we can be reconciled to God through what he has provided? He has provided the Savior. Isn't it remarkable? Think on it for a moment. Are we not the ones who has offended God? Is that not true? Have we not offended God by our behavior, by our sin? Yet, it is God who has provided the solution. Let's just look at this from a human perspective. If you have a good friend, a friend maybe for a number of years, and something happens. There's a, an argument, or there's something that's come between two friends, and you're very disappointed that the friendship is broken. And sometimes to restore that friendship is extremely difficult. Well, God has done something about our predicament. Once Adam and Eve had a wonderful relationship with God, but because of sin it was broken. But God has done something to restore it. He has sent His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, 
the one who came to this world and lived a perfect life in order that he might offer up a perfect sacrifice and through what Jesus Christ has done mankind is reconciled to God and there's something that's required of you you must believe upon Jesus Christ you must call upon him I don't have a oh, well yes I do sorry I do I have one here yes I beg your pardon yes you you're welcome sir you're, thank you are welcome Yes, there are some of us out here this afternoon and we're handing out gospel tracts in order that you might know that we're a genuine Christian congregation and our details are there. Should you wish to get in touch with us, we would happily be able to respond to you. Jesus. Yeah, you're right, sir. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. A wonderful exhortation from Solomon, who in his day was the wisest man that ever lived. And that's his advice to the young people. What's his advice? Well, his advice is, get right with God. There'll come a day when things will change when they'll become middle-aged and then old-aged and then they'll and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man and God's commandment to us today is to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ God commands all men everywhere without exception to repent to turn away from our sins and to believe upon Jesus Christ who has come down from heaven in order to seek and to save that which is lost. And friends, we maybe don't realize it, but we're lost, we're perishing, we're, we are without hope in this world. But there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And you'll not find salvation in anyone else. You'll not get right with God through anyone else. Christianity is quite clear on this matter. We have to be absolutely dogmatic and we have to declare the unique saviorhood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only Messiah. He is the only one who has come down from heaven. All other religions tell us to work our way to heaven. And that's impossible. But Christianity is divine. It's God's answer to and to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ that he might have mercy upon you, that he would take you. That's his role, that's his ministry. And do you know, friends, he is a saviour who is alive. A spear pierced his side and he was taken down from the cross dead, lifeless. And he was put into a borrowed tomb. And he was there for how long? Friday night, all day Saturday. But what happened? On the first day of the week, the Bible tells us he has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. But one who is alive forevermore, is that not the Savior you want? Is In all seriousness, you can't believe it. Why not, sir? Because you've got to have common sense. What's common sense? 
general knowledge. What what's your general knowledge you've oh, got? Any, anything you fair off. Not really. Penguins have you seen in Israel? I've never been to Israel. Two by two. They all went in there. You all remember? Two by two animals. No, some of them went with seven by seven. Some what are you talking about? Oh no no! Are you some other, are you some other different version of the no, uh, no. different versions of Christians? No no no! But so all the animals went two by two. And not not all, not so all of them. So he walked. No. So he, I think so. It causes every single war in the world. Every single war can be traced back to religion, and the more false religion, true false religion. That's true. Every, I would agree. Every religion says every other exists. Come on. You need to stop this shit because our next generation needs to just just as die, right? It's been a mistake. It's been an experiment. It used to be used to keep civil order. Oh, aye. let's yeah. keep civil order. Oh, Is that a, what Hitler did? Be a good person. Be a, Is that what Hitler did? Another fucking branch of Christian fascism. It's another branch. The same thing. Is that what the Khmer Rouge you, did? The two, of the, but it's fine because atheism. Did, what did atheism did do? Go, did Hitler go? Did Hitler how go many? To how many people did, did atheism kill? How many? Millions and millions and you, millions you know and millions. That? Next bloody war. Atheism has already caused many wars. So honestly, man, just let it die. It's the experiment of the wars. Listen, and, and it was a bad. It was listen, a good idea back in the day. Listen, I didn't even see just, you. I was like, what just, just, listen, just let listen, it go. If, if I'm talking rubbish, why are you getting so excited? Just because, because my. You have a faith. I'm looking, religion, I'm, a, uh, atheism is a religion. I'm looking forward to being one day. I'm looking forward to one day. I don't need a Nirvana or the next whatever the next frontier is to give me solace in my life, which is where it came from. And sometimes I fully admit you know God exists. How do you figure? How do you figure? Because you're made in the image of God. That's why, sir. In the image of God. Yes, you are. Evolution, my friend. <laughs> nothing can come from nothing. Listen, man. Listen. You, you've been well spent. Take your time elsewhere. Hey, listen. Religion, um, evolution is a joke. It's a hoax. Nothing can come from nothing. Scientific fact. And friends, because there is something, and it's all around us, it's called God's creation. God has created it. Don't don't fall deluded to the delusion of the atheist because now friends today is the day of salvation today is the time to get right with God today is the time to turn aside from all our rebellion for today is the day of salvation behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation. That man who was speaking to me earlier on argued it's a form of child abuse. Could well argue that is a form of child abuse. Because friends, the atheist, what's he doing? He is denying what he knows. He is denying but he does not want to live up to his knowledge. Because God has given him that knowledge. He has a conscience. And where did that conscience come from? It didn't come from evolution. Evolution is nonsense. That conscience has come from God. And your conscience today, every one of you, no exceptions, if you can hear this, you've got a conscience. 
Why have you got a conscience? Why do you know the difference between right and wrong? You know it because God has told you. God has put that in you. It's part of the knowledge of God that we all have. And furthermore, God has revealed himself in creation. Evolution tells us everything came from nothing. The Bible tells us everything came from God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Everything. God is the creator. The work of creation is God's ma God made all things of nothing. By the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good and God created man male and female after his own image <coughs> in knowledge righteousness and holiness with dominion over the creatures and therefore friends with God but we want to tell you about the Savior and that Savior says look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is none else congregation we ministered at two Thornwood Upton Barton Road we come to the police station opposite the police station if you can go up that steep hill and you'll come first of all to Thornwood Primary School and then you will meet our building at the crossroads next door to it you're welcome to come along any Lord's Day Sunday at 11 a.m. or in the early evening at 6 p.m. and we also have a midweek meeting at 7.30 on Wednesday and again we extend a warm welcome to you then then also it may well be friends that you have got out of the habit of going to a Christian place of worship it may be because of the restrictions imposed upon the Christian church during the COVID period or it may be that you've just simply got out of habit of going well can we encourage you to go out to a place where you'll hear the gospel and you're welcome to come to us obviously and maybe you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible well we would be happy to give you one if you make yourself known there are some people out here this afternoon who are handing out gospel tracts if you let them know we'll endeavor to make sure you get a copy of the scriptures for yourself the only thing that we ask is that you read it and if you have a Bible, then we would ask you to read it. Begin maybe at Mark's Gospel. It's a very fast-moving Gospel, and it's quite easy to read. And it does present to you the claims and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, friends, we're out here to tell you that there's a way to be reconciled to God. There's a way whereby you can have a, a right relationship with God. And there's only one way, and that way is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him, we can have forgiveness of sins. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Here we are on the 12th of January, 2024, on Buchanan Street. 
And all around me, what do I see? What do I see all around me? Well, we see sinners. We're all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. And that's why the message that we bring to you this afternoon is so important and so vital. All of us, without exception, young, old. <coughs> but here's our great hope. God is a merciful God. And God has shown His mercy, His grace, His love in sending forth the Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. You see, God saw our plight. God saw our condition. God saw our hopelessness. God saw us without hope in this world. And what did He do? He sent His Son. This was God's answer to our greatest plight and problem. You know, there are many problems in this world. Many problems in Scotland. Many problems in the United Kingdom. And our politicians are trying to deal with them. But friends, they cannot deal with this problem. This problem is beyond them. But not for God. He has done something about it. He has sent His only begotten Son in order that He would work out a way whereby we might be saved, whereby His sin, our sins could be laid upon Him, whereby we might know forgiveness of sins and be reconciled to God. And friends, we are to be encouraged to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will receive us. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. That's the God of the Bible. That's the Christian God. That's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That one who moved. That one who did wonderful things in order that our plight might be addressed. Who is like God? Who is like God that will forgive sin? There is none like Him. And therefore we are to come to Him. Our sins are great. Our sins are many. Our sins are more than we can comprehend. We cannot calculate the number of our sins. But friends, that's not to keep us away. We are to go to Him. Because He will receive us. He will receive the penitent. What does that mean? He will receive those who repent. Those who turn away from their sins. And this is an essential element of the gospel presentation. We are to repent. Every one of us. We're to turn from our sins. We're to turn from our lying. From our cheating. From our blasphemy. From our Sabbath breaking. 
from our fornication, from our adultery, from our homosexuality, from our stealing, from our cheating, from all of these things and many, many more sins, we're to turn away from them. And we are to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that one who has suffered and died in our room and place. And friends, we are to call upon him today. Now, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. That's what the Bible says. That's what we find in Isaiah. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now's the time, now's the opportunity to get right with God. We don't know how long we have in this world. Is that not true? Are we not all mortal? Are our days not all numbered? Yes, they are. We might not like to think about it, but friends, we're not assured of tomorrow. Boast not of tomorrow, the Bible says. Indeed, the Bible tells us to number our days, not our years. That's what the Bible would tell us. Because, friends, life is short. There are certain things that are absolutely certain in this life. What are they? Well, we shall all die. We shall all pass into eternity. And the moment that we die, the day of grace is expired. There's no then opportunity to get right with God. We have to use today, for today is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the accepted time. That's what Paul would tell us, to put our faith and our hope and our trust upon the living God today. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. That's the God of the Bible, friends. Let the wicked forsake his way. That means repent. That means turn our backs upon our old lives. Turn our backs upon our drunkenness. Turn our backs upon our fornication or adultery or blasphemy. Turn our backs upon our Sabbath breaking. Turn our backs upon living for ourselves. And let's have a new life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus has come to give us life, spiritual life, and ultimately eternal life. Because by nature we don't have this life. We are dead in trespasses and sins. We are estranged and separated from our great Creator, God. The only way to be reconciled is to have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And friends, today, now, this is what's required of us. Let me read from the book of James. James chapter 
4, for instance, at verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell, and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. That's your life. That's my life. Here's what God's Word says about your life. For what is your life? What is it? It is even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. How long will we live? Who knows? 70, 80, 90, 100 years, maybe more. What is that in the light of eternity? It is but just a flash. It is but just a moment. That's what it is. He says here it's like a vapor. It's like the steam coming out of the kettle. It comes out of the spout and you see the steam. But within a few seconds it has evaporated, it's gone. That's your life. Whether we be young or old, that's your life. It's soon gone. And when the life ends, there's no opportunity to get right with God. Now is the time. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other Savior. There's no other message coming from God. There's no other one who is coming down. God has spoken decisively in time by sending His Son. And His Son has come. And His Son has undertaken everything that was required of Him in order to provide a full and perfect salvation. What does salvation mean? Salvation means to be free, to be delivered, to be emancipated. That's what He has done. You are therefore to come to Him and to be free from your sin, free from its guilt, the moment that you believe upon Him. That's why the Bible talks about having peace with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Friends, is this not something that you really want? To have peace with God? To have a peaceful conscience? To be right with God? Well, here it is. This is the way. It's found in the Savior. And in Him alone, you won't find peace in having so much money. You won't... You won't find peace by getting drunk. You won't find peace by indulging in drugs. You won't have any of these things. The only way that you can have peace is to be reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, being justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace has been purchased for us by His life and by His death. But, O oh Lord, we thank God that Jesus Christ is not dead. He's alive. He has come out of the grave in power and in glory. Oh, yes. Did you not know that? Did you not know that He shall return? Do you not know the day will come when He will return? Yes. The Bible talks about it. Behold, He cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see Him. You will see Him. You will see Him. Every eye. Yes, you may well be dead for thousands of years, but you'll come out of your grave, and you'll see Him coming in power and in glory. He will come again because He's alive and is alive forevermore. And you are to have your faith and hope and trust upon a Savior who's alive, a Savior who cannot die. That's the one you want. How many people have their faith and trust upon other things? Well, friends, the Christian has his or her faith based upon the Lamb of God, that one who has taken away the sins of the world. We're here from Partick, Free Church of Scotland, continuing. And we try to come out once a week. And this week we're coming from Buchanan Street in the centre of Glasgow. And we seek to present to you something about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this to us, that we might put our faith and hope and trust upon him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. Friends, when you truly trust upon the Savior, when He is your Lord and Savior, you have the gift of the eternal life, that moment that you believe. Yes, we know that we will not enjoy the full expression of it, until eternity but nevertheless when you believe you have that gift you don't need to wait for it you have it verily verily I say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life it's a free gift it can only be received by faith it has been secured for His people by the life and by the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and by His continual, effectual intercession at God's right hand. You see, He's alive. Many people think He's dead and buried and out of the way, but no, He's alive and He's returning. 
And he says, he said on another occasion, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The whole of humanity one day will be divided. We know in many ways it's divided umpteen times at the moment, but at the end of the day there will only be two groups of persons. It's those who believe in the Son and those who do not. What about you today? Do you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? If you believe upon Him, you will have eternal life. If you don't, you won't. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. A terrible end then for those who will not believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we come out this afternoon to persuade you, to encourage you, to beseech you, to plead with you that you might amend your ways, that you might repent and believe the gospel, and that you might call upon him. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Well, we're going to draw our time to a close this afternoon. It's good to be here with you. And we do hope and trust that the Lord will follow uh, with his blessing.